Good morning, St. James, and welcome to another Sunday sermon on lockdown. Before I begin, let's start in prayer. Dear Lord, please draw close to us this morning. Although we cannot be together in body, please bind us together in spirit, as although we are dispersed, we are still your church. Give us open hearts and ears to receive from you today. Amen. When preparing this sermon, I considered two approaches. The first was to skate over the coronavirus crisis, which is tempting, as I for one have been overloaded with news coverage. The other was to consider what these passages might have to tell us in these disorientating and tragic times. I went for the latter approach, and hopefully that was the right decision. Firstly, let's consider our John reading. Similar to us, the disciples have just had Easter, although for them it was the first one. Mary Magdalene, Peter and John have seen the empty tomb, and Mary has even seen Jesus. In a striking and uncanny parallel, the disciples are also in lockdown, although for them it is because the Jewish authorities have them in fear of their lives rather than a virus. And it is in this claustrophobic atmosphere of fear that the risen Christ makes his entry. What does God have to say to them? Peace be with you. How wonderful and how fitting. In the face of fear and uncertainty, God had a very direct message for them and a very direct message for us too. Peace be with you. Equally, although they are frightened and locked away, Jesus empowers his followers. He breathes his spirit on them and grants them astonishing authority. So one thing to consider is that if this is how God meets his locked down first disciples, might this also be how he meets his locked down 21st century followers? And then our John reading brings us to the well-known story of Doubting Thomas who refuses to believe unless he can see and touch Jesus for himself. Thomas gets a bad rep, and it can feel tempting to judge him. Surely if we had seen Jesus face to face, even once, we would never have doubted him again. However, I think that Thomas is the disciple for our times. He was the cynical one. He was no gullible fool. He insists that the outlandish claim needs proof. He sounds just like us. In this current crisis, I think we may be feeling more doubt than usual as well. We may question whether we or our families will be safe. Will there be enough food in the supermarkets? Will I get access to a doctor if I fall ill? Will the economy collapse? Will I be able to pay my bills? And this uncertainty and the tragedy that we see unfolding may well lead us to doubt God. The classic and most troubling question is to ask why a good and powerful God could let us be exposed to such suffering. Now, in truth, that is way too big an issue for someone like me to bottom out. And it can't be done in a single sermon. But I will try to give two thoughts on this matter. The first comes from Thomas and Jesus' reaction to him and his doubts. Thomas has these doubts because he missed the big moment when Jesus appeared to his other disciples. How does Jesus react? Well, it appears that Jesus makes a special visit. He meets Thomas just exactly where he is, and he addresses his doubts head on. 
He does not condemn Thomas, much less reject him, but ever so humbly and ever so patiently, the God of the universe appears to the man who doubted him and gently puts his finger into the puncture wounds on his hands. So one response to doubt is to bring your doubts to God. He will not reject you, but will patiently meet you where you are. You are safe to bring all your troubled thoughts to him. For the second possible response, which I would like to highlight, let us consider verses 30 and 31 in John 20, and also Peter's message to the crowd in our Acts reading. John tells us that all of the miracles he has described in his gospel, and his gospel itself, are solely for the purpose of helping us, the reader, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that by believing we might have life. In Acts, Peter explains that the Old Testament prophecy of King David was also there to point us to Jesus. So our readings today tell us that the whole point of prophecy, of miracles and of scripture, is to focus us on Jesus. It can be so tempting to focus elsewhere, especially in relation to miracles. Often we want a miracle to sort out the problem that we have before our eyes. And we can sometimes even point fingers at God if an answer is not immediately forthcoming. This is perhaps a reminder that the whole point of everything really is to focus on Jesus. And this can help when we find ourselves doubting too. If we start to question God's power or his love for us, or if he has a plan, we can look to Jesus. And here is God, all-powerful, even defeating death, all-loving, even sacrificing himself, and with a definite rescue plan for humanity, even if it is mind-bendingly paradoxical and hard to fully grasp. And it is on the subject of God's plans that I would like to end. In our Acts reading, Peter bursts out of lockdown after the day of Pentecost and starts to preach loudly on the streets. And he explains that what looked like dark, desperate failure had actually been a part of the plan all along. Even stretching back centuries to the days of King David and beyond, God had been planning to rescue us from death and sin and Jesus was his answer. And I think we can apply some of this to our own situation. To be clear, I am not suggesting that coronavirus and the death and suffering it brings have been deliberately sent by God as part of some sort of master plan. Quite the opposite. I believe that this crisis grieves God even more than it grieves us. Where I believe we can take some application is in this, that during the trial and death of Jesus, and during the time he spent in the tomb, Jesus' followers were in despair, in terror, and deeply disillusioned. They were definitely not tracing any kind of a plan in the midst of their suffering. And yet, as we now know, this was the ultimate act of redemption, where God used the worst situation ever to bring about the world's best ever result. And this is a hallmark of how God seems to interact with us. He seems to be a specialist at turning terrible situations around 
and using them, in spite of how genuinely and terribly awful they are, for good. God is the God of redemption. And as such, perhaps we even have grounds for hope that we will emerge from this terrible time and might be able to look back and see that God did something good and redemptive, even in the midst of terrible suffering. So to summarise, all prophecy, scripture and miracles point us back to Jesus. He has to be our focus. God does not abandon us in our doubt. He is patient and humble and meets us where we are. And God can be trusted. He has plans that we just cannot see. He can turn any situation, no matter how bleak, into something redemptive and good. Finally, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today with our own individual struggles, doubts, worries and suffering. Please meet us where we are. Help us to find hope and to trust in you. Help us to keep our focus on you, Lord. Amen.